Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. I'm broke. I've been working so hard trying to make something happen. I'm getting no after no. I had tested twice for SNL. Didn't get that. It was so close to like having this dream realized and it wasn't happening. I go, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I, I owe my roommate rent next month. I don't have it. I go, I don't know what to do. But... I'm giving myself over to whatever this is to be like, whatever I'm supposed to do, please show me the way. And my friends, you know, <laughs> trying to just lift my spirits. This friend like jokingly pretended to be Oprah all of a sudden. And she was like, well, you're going to go to Australia and you're going to go to Australia. And everyone starts like this energy comes in the room and everyone starts clapping and we're banging the table and we're like, yeah, we're going to Australia. And two weeks later, I got that meeting with Chelsea. She gets up in the middle of the meeting. I go, I've blown it. I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to figure out something else. Next day, they call. Chelsea, love you. And you got the job. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I do wonder, and I think I wondered this when I saw you were going to Australia, how do y'all, if you're doing a tour, how do you adjust to the time zone? Because Australia is freaking brutal. Yeah. You're literally on the opposite, and then you're trying to like be mm -hmm. smart and funny, and how yeah. do you do that? Do you go super early so you can adjust? I, got, I went early. Okay. I found coming home was harder, oh, weirdly enough. coming back. So I knew I wanted to hit Australia. I'd never done New Zealand before. So I thought, I'm going to start with New Zealand because they're 
three hours closer to us time zone wise. So like that'll give me like a tiny bit of an adjustment and we went two days early. Cool. Which still is not a lot. Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> but I think your body just knows, like, it's time to yeah, perform. Yeah, So even if you're, like, in a daze, because they're... People don't realize that jet lag is it's very intense. It's unbelievable. And your the brain fog happens. Yeah. You just have to push through. Yeah, yeah, just survive. <laughs> and normally, when I'm feeling it, or probably when most people are feeling it, we're on vacation. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is, like, eat food and drink. Yeah, just lay but by you pool. actually have to, like... <laughs> And it was winter there. Oh, I would have right. laid by a pool. Oh, right. Did you yeah. get to see, like, did you see anything? New Zealand's supposed to be so beautiful. Yeah. I've never been. Did you get to, like, explore, see anything cool? One time before, okay. as um, after I'd performed in Australia, I went as a tourist to Queenstown. And nice. it was, like, other planet. Cool. Like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. How does this exist in the world? Yeah. Uh, but this time I just had time to do Auckland. So it's more a city. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. Yeah, But totally. lovely people. Yeah. It's wild, like, that, you know, stand-up and the internet can, you know, project your stuff everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. people what was can relate. The, so this was the first time you were down there doing comedy? No, I'd oh, okay. been to Australia four times. But this was my first time headlining my own shows. Okay. I had done, like, festivals. Cool. And things where the pressure's not totally on me. Yeah. I get, uh, the one was like the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was with three other comics. And then Just for Laughs in Sydney. I got to perform at the Sydney Opera, Opera House. House. My one friend was like, wow, you really made it. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not my show. This was like five years ago. I'm like, this is, I'm one of like eight. Nice. Um, but it Still, was Still, cool. none of us can perform there. <clears throat> Listen, so. if any of those kind of uh, historic, you know, International places. Yeah. It's like it's so cool to get to be in. Yeah. Was it scary the first time you go into a new region like that? Especially like a oh, whole yeah. new country. Are you like, will anybody show up? Yeah, you don't know, like, does anyone know who I am? Yeah. Like, will they get you know, especially being a southern I was gonna woman. say, I'm like, yeah, I yeah. feel like and a gay person. Right. <laughs> you know, you're you're like, like, is this okay? Yeah, you yeah. just hope that the stories translate. Every now and then there's like a restaurant, like I joke about chilies or <laughs> I talked about Fun Dip in my Sweet and Salty special. Uh, they're like, Fun Dip? You yeah. know, and I I'm, and I describe it, and they go, oh, we call it, I can't right. remember, it's some word that rhymes. Right. And uh, chilies, they don't have, so you just have to find what's the equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did have, I have a current story about biscuits and being a staple of Southern folks, but to them, it's, it's a, cookie. a cookie. Yeah. So I just took that story out altogether. Yeah. I'm like, they will not understand the love of biscuits right. in the same way. I realized how American my talks are, my writing is, all mm-hmm. of it, the first time I performed in Canada. Yeah. Like the first time that I went to give a keynote or do a conference and I was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm motivating women, but I'm doing it through funny stories. Yeah. But my family is, one side's from Oklahoma, the other side's from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And even though I was... Born and raised in Southern California. Yeah. I was raised in Bakersfield. Have you yeah, ever performed yeah. there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not really Southern it's not California. LA, for sure. I've so, heard the y'all right, in your voice. Right, yeah. right. So I remember going to Toronto for the first time, and I would say stuff there. I'm like, this is, you know, you know the stuff that people think is so funny. Right. And I did it, and I was like, oh, when it's it very hit. American. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't get why that's yeah. a thing, because you didn't have that TV show mm-hmm. when you were a teenager. So, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to bring it 
other places. Yeah, it's good before you film a special, especially for a comedian to to try the material out in Europe or Canada um, to see where the things are that they're like not sure about. Right. Because then you can try to like you can't obviously adjust every single thing. There are certain things, stories from my childhood where it's like this happened there. I yeah. can't really change that. <laughs> yeah. But other times, because it's such an international thing yeah. you try to adjust yeah where, where you can where are you from originally uh, originally north carolina, north carolina right outside of okay. charlotte it's this tiny town called belmont cool yeah and how did you get into doing comedy like how long have you been doing it i've i've been in la 20 years um which seems crazy to me it yeah. feels like yesterday yeah i came out here for like a life experience to sort of do what everyone does that pa kind of thing of like I don't know. We'll see. This yeah. sounds fun. And I uh, had no idea about being a comedian. I had never done stand-up or improv. I did plays in college, but I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, I was like so Southern from a tiny town. I had no I, you know, my accent was three times thicker than this. <laughs> and we're trying to do these artsy plays. And I'm all talking with this twang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved comedy, watching it. So when I got out here... I found it very difficult to meet people. I was so used to being from a place where even if you didn't know anyone, if you went into a gas station, people were like, how are you doing? Or they knew your mom or somebody. And here it was like cold. Like people didn't look at you in the eye. No one wanted to talk to their neighbor. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. So I started taking improv classes at the Groundlings. Cool. Yeah. And it just. How'd you hear about it, though? Um, I had a friend from college who was out here who was like, this is where all the SNL people studied, you know, Will Ferrell went here and Kristen Wiig was currently in that company. And I was such an SNL fan that I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I want to learn what they learned. And just, it was just kind of, there was a myth around it of being like the end all be all place of comedy. So I was like, well, I'll try it. And immediately just... You're like, this is it. Cool. Yeah. I've never heard someone tell the story of like going to the Groundlings because they were looking for friends. I know. I'm a a weirdo in that sense. People were like, you just wanted friends? Yeah. Like genuinely went into it with just a hobby. But also such a smart idea. It's Mm -hmm. a question I get all the time from women is like, how do I make friends as an adult? It's hard. My wife's going through that right now. Yeah. Well, so my answer is Mm -hmm. always... We think we're going to make friends with other people in places we already are. So it's like, I think moms do this a lot. They'll say like, Mm -hmm. well, the other moms at the school drop off or whatever, those are going to be my friends. But the reality is I think you find friends when you have a common interest Mm -hmm. way easier. So I'm like, if you're super into doing improv or you're super Mm -hmm. into weenie dogs, you're super into like, I don't know. (laughs) All those weenie dog lovers. All the weenie dog lovers. (laughs) Like find a place to go do a hobby that you already love Mm -hmm. and you're going to find other people who dig it too. Yeah. The thing is though is like the people there maybe don't look like who you think your friends are supposed to look like. Right? It's like an 80-year-old woman who's like also loves a weenie dog. But I guarantee you're about to have some of the best conversations with Lois you've ever had. Or just connect with someone. Seriously. My wife moved out here for me and uh, it's hard. It's a hard city. And I I was having a hard time at, you know, 23, 25. And that's when, like, you just make friends a lot easier because everyone just wants to hang. But when you're an adult. Right. And she's, you know, in a relationship, it's a lot harder. Yeah. She's 
I mean, she's been out here seven years now. She just started to put herself out there. Yeah. And if, which is funny because there's like, um, the you know, the dating sites also have like a friend section. Yeah, for friends. Yeah, yeah. like she's even trying that. I'm like, yeah. good for you. Like whatever it takes. I considered that for a minute. I was on a dating <clears throat> app. It's actually how I met my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on Raya. Do you know Raya? Uh-huh. <laughs> Raya is so iconic. I was already in a by the time it came around. Yeah, it is. I don't know if I'd have been accepted. Iconic. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it is so hilarious. I love my friend's stories about yeah. it. Oh, it is. So I'm I'm on tour right now. I'm doing a podcast tour this summer. And I have like a 20-minute bit about Raya. Because yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there really are celebrities and not little celebrities, like massive celebrities. Looking for love. Looking for or love. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So for a minute I was trying it and then I was super overwhelmed because everybody, and I don't mean celebrities, but just like every dude that I thought, oh, he looks cool, wanted, didn't want to date. And I was like, I'm not. Yeah, I just want to hook up or like really obscure sexual desires that oh, i was like yeah, oh god a, i can't their kinks show yeah and i was more. like i no thank you i'm a <laughs> I, the, that's not happening yeah. so i changed it to for friends okay so that i i was like well i'll just find like yeah. some women friends but then unintentionally those women were not there for friends they were also there for the same reason so i was oh, like i they can't hook up. yeah i was like i can't find All a right. spot though some of the most beautiful women oh, I bet. and i was like well maybe <laughs> For her, maybe these this days, is my everybody's, moment. Everybody's like fluid I'm these like, days. I I like men, but for you, yeah. Um, so yeah. So oh, you I, just made like so many women hopeful. I know, right? No, this is what is I. I'll literally I'll tell you, even though you're not supposed to talk about Raya, but I keep telling everybody all the celebrities I saw. Is it? Oh, it's not. Is it Amber Rose? No, it's not Amber Rose. That's uh, someone else. Who's the one? I don't even know why you know this, Jack. <laughs> you're gonna look it up. I might know. In it. You Pitch never know. Perfect Three, Pitch Perfect she is three. the lead singer of. It's like a jokey girl, all girl band called Evermoist. Evermoist. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. like it's hilarious. We're what gonna, is her name? She is so she. I'm like, I'll I'll be gay for you. Really? That, that you will. Be yes. Blunt. There is a chance. <laughs> She's gonna be so flattered. She's Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose. Rose. Now, <laughs> there are a lot of women out there who would go gay right, for Ruby. Right, yeah. I mean, just to know. Just well, to know how it is. I remember she had that big breakout moment with Orange is the New Black. Yeah. It, like, broke the internet. Yeah. Where all these women were like, wait, wait, what do I feel <laughs> about feeling this? Things. That was basically all of my TikTok uh, during COVID was, like, women who made you question whether or not you actually <laughs> liked men. It was like, oh, shit, maybe I do. Which just reminded me, I I was laughing about this preparing for you to come this week or just, like, knowing that you're yeah. coming. I once physically accosted you at LAX. Wait, what? Yeah, and by physically accosted, I just mean I touched you without permission. Listen, and I, I must have l- been totally fine with it. <laughs> no, I laughed about this all week. So I was with one of my best friends, Sammy, okay. who loves you. How she, long ago was this? This has got to be five years okay. ago. So it's been a while. Okay. Two of my best girlfriends are married to each other. Uh-huh. And we're walking through LAX together, me and Sammy, and we see you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, I love her. Aww. It's fortune. I love her. 
And I was so excited that I didn't like really think. Yeah. And so I like grabbed your arm. That's and so I funny. hate when people do that to me because it scares me. <laughs> I'm and I was used like, to being grabbed. Okay. Soul. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, we love you. And That's... you were so gracious and kind. Oh, good. I was like, I hope but I was not. But the amount of times <laughs> I have thought, because I hate when people, yeah. I never would say anything, but it scares mm. me when a stranger comes oh, up yeah, and like grabs startling. you. It startles me. And I was like, I cannot believe I did that to her. As soon as I walked away from that you, I was so like, I just touched her without permission. I grabbed you like I knew you. Like you were my kid trying to run into traffic. I grabbed your arm. I get that a lot because I think because my career started, uh, most people first heard of me from Chelsea lately. Mm -hmm. And so I think that because I was in people's houses, they were going to bed. Like there was this sense of like familiarity in a way that you don't get with just someone who's an actor or someone who's a stand-up. So for a large portion of my career, a lot of people would just grab me or hug me or like come up to me like we're it's still now like a lot of people would say, hey, in a way where I have to be like, do I know them? Yes. Um, Because and I'm racking my brain because I meet like, you know, 3000 people a weekend. Right. right. And so I'm always like, do I know? Do do we go to high school together? And oftentimes it's just. We have, yeah. they just feel like they know me, which I, I don't have any problem right. with. Right. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. 
Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas, the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. It is funny, though, when someone stops you because it can be the, oh, they just recognize you, right? Or sometimes they actually do know you. Yeah. And you have, at least me, Uh and I have no memory of it, and I think they're a fan. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And they're like, our kids have the same teacher, Mrs. Thompson. Okay. We worked together on that project for six months. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. Or like when someone's like, will you take a picture? And you're like, yeah, sure, no problem. And they hand you the camera, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I got you. I got you. I heard someone tell that. Oh, there's a, a songwriter. It's Shane McNally. He's a big oh yeah, no yeah, Shane, yeah, yeah. So he just posted this on his podcast, and and he's Jack. He's a massive, like yeah. one of the biggest country music songwriters, maybe pop too. Yeah, just hugely successful. And he, someone, a guy came up and said, "Hey, can you take yeah. a picture?" <laughs> and he was like, "Oh my gosh, of course!" And went and, and put, put his, his arm, arm around, around the guy's yeah. wife. And the guy was like, "What are you doing?" I bet we want a picture. Yeah, because there was some songwriting show that Shane was also on. Oh, is so it? I forgot the name of it. I know. So people, so uh, people do know because yeah. oh, sometimes with songwriters you don't know yeah, who they that's are. True. And but he is known, and so I thought that was hilarious. He put his hand arm around this woman. I get served a lot of clips from his new podcast, and I keep laughing. I need to actually yeah, like, he's, do he's the whole thing. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I met him a while ago because he used to watch Chelsea. He has that, like, just a good sense of humor. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. People that like comedy and like laughing, yeah. you usually end up meeting the or hearing about space, them. Yeah. yeah. How did you get Chelsea? So I had been in L.A. for eight years at that point. I did the Groundlings. uh I realized very quickly that uh, the only way to get better was to get stage time. And that was back when the Groundlings had one theater and it was very hard to get on stage. And I go, well, how, how do we possibly get better? Uh, Cause you get voted on every level. Once you get past the like fun, like we're just learning improv. It's then a school. Oh wow! And I go, well, I can't pass these levels if I've never performing. So I started my own group and we would like perform in the back of bars and cool. rent out our own theaters just to like let's figure out how to do this and it was a massively helpful thing because once I did get to those higher levels I was like oh I've put on a show before this yeah. is not that hard so someone came to one of those shows and she was who does stand up and she was like oh you're a stand up why are you not doing this and I was like because it looks really scary. And she's like, oh, just take a class, see how you like it. And I did. And she, you know, to her credit, she really got that ball rolling. And um, once I started stand up, I just, that was the path. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is for me. And the show at the time uh, that became huge was Chelsea Lately. 
And that's what every stand-up wanted to be on because it was breaking people out in a way that no other show was. Because, uh, you know, we don't have Carson. A show yeah. like that back in the day was like, yeah, you do everything. Carson, you're, you're good. Yeah. So, And the internet, the like YouTube was like a newer thing. And obviously TikTok didn't exist yet. Twitter was kind of the thing. So there was no social thing breaking people out like TikTok and YouTube is right now. That was the thing. And so... I try to get good locally, like just um, building my act as strong as I could. Um, and I applied as a writer, like 300 other people, I think, applied for the same position. Uh, I thought there's no way I'm getting this job. I had done Last Comic Standing. That was the only TV th- thing I had. That was 2010. So this was the end of 2010. So I have one credit to my name. Now, I was an entertainment journalist during the day. That was like my day job that I um, had been doing for about seven years. And so I had never written for a TV show. But I remember somehow I got a meeting with the producers. They ne- they whittled it down to like, say, 25 people. And did you put together like Like a writing jokes? packet, Okay. Yes. And how did you even know how to do that? I, did, I didn't. <laughs> I remember being like, what am I doing? And the... I think it was you had to write a monologue for Chelsea, and then they uh, said pick five pop culture topics and write, like, four jokes for each one. And I just remember (laughs) I kept watching more and more shows trying to get her voice, and I was like, she and I are so different. I don't know how to put myself in her shoes. So I just wrote for me, which is so (laughs) wild. (laughs) And I think I even wrote, like, Harry Potter jokes. <laughs> Knowing her now, like, <laughs> never in a million years would she say these. Oh, that's so but funny. But it somehow caught their attention. And what's funny is I couldn't even get on the round table. The They thought I was too, whoever was in charge of that part, uh, thought I was too laid back, too chill. They are like, Chelsea's not going to like that. And so I couldn't even get on the round table. So I applied that way, got the meeting with the producers. And it was in the meeting with the producers where I was like, wait, I've been writing about pop culture for seven years. It didn't even occur to me that these two worlds could somehow be related. I said, I've never written on a show, but I've literally written about every pop culture thing imaginable for the last seven years. I think I can do this. Yeah. So then they whittled it down to like maybe six people to actually meet Chelsea. And I just went in there so nervous, but... It's funny because the writers told me I looked so confident walking into the um, meeting. And I was like, well, that's great because I'm glad I pulled that off because I was so nervous. And we just start talking. I, th- I had this clip on the t- at the time about me playing a Hooters waitress <laughs> named Darlene <laughs> Witherspoon. And she had seen that clip like two years prior but didn't make the connection. Because um, <laughs> I was playing a Hooters waitress in an alley. And someone has shown it to her like two years prior. So we're like, I'm telling you, like six minutes into this interview, that's supposed to be like probably 30 minutes long. And I just go, oh, you know, I play a lot of characters, like this Hooters waitress. And it kind of like, she remembers. She's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. And like two minutes later, she goes, okay, thank you for coming. She just gets up and leaves. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have... Mess this up. And I, when I tell you I had no money, I had my job as a jur- journalist said stopped all the newspaper business. You know, it was yeah. depleting. 
They had to let me go. I I was totally out of money. I did not know how I was going to pay my bills, you know, after the holidays. Uh, or this was after the holiday. I had applied before the holiday. I remember at New Year's... I know I'm like all over the place. No, I story. love this. Are you kidding? This is my favorite. I was at New Year's Eve with my friends. Uh, so I'm going back in time for like two weeks. And... I remember we were, it's very LA to like sit in a circle and tell everybody how you feel. Yeah. LA people love this. My wife is mystified by it. Yes. And they go, go around and say what you want for the new year. And I think it was the last person. And I just kind of had this come to Jesus moment, this like laying out there, like, I'm broke. I've been working so hard trying to make something happen. I'm getting no after no. I had tested twice for SNL, didn't get that. It was so close to, like, having this dream realized and it wasn't happening. I go, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I I owe my roommate rent next month. I don't have it. I go, I don't know what to do. But I'm giving myself over to whatever this is to be like, whatever I'm supposed to do, please show me the way. And my friends, you know, <laughs> trying to just lift my spirits, this friend, like, jokingly pretended to be Oprah all of a sudden. And she was like, well, you're going to go to Australia and you're going to go to Australia. And everyone starts like this energy comes in the room and everyone starts clapping and we're banging the table. And we're like, yeah, we're going to Australia. And two weeks later, I got that meeting with Chelsea. She gets up in the middle of the meeting. I go, I've blown it. I'm I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to figure out something else. Next day, they call Chelsea Love You and you got the job. I honestly think because I was the first of the people, like, I just got lucky that she didn't want to <laughs> deal with meetings. And oh, I was, do you really think? I that's really, why she got up I after really, I Because you've known her for me. so long now, right? Yeah. Like you, oh, I know her so funny. well now that I know she did not want to sit through a bunch of meetings. <laughs> and she liked me and remembered yeah. that video. I was like, goes, we're good. That's good. Yeah. And, and I've been like fourth. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market, because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach. Thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. 
Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So it just was meant to be, it feels like to me, because I start a week later and I get, I don't have any money to like, the writers would like go eat at like a nice restaurant. I did not have money to eat. Like, that's You're like, how, I'm good. I'm just going to have yeah. water. I'm like, they had, luckily I had snacks in the break room, but that's how little money I had because you don't get paid for like two weeks. And God, that is the worst when you start a new job yeah. and you're so broke mm-hmm. and you have to wait for two weeks. And yeah. then when you get the first paycheck, if you don't understand how banking works <laughs> and they direct deposit, you're screwed. Yeah. The bank is going to hold that money because mm-hmm. it doesn't. Oh, it's so stressful. Yeah. And I was lucky because my roommate was who I would rent to was out of the country. He was like, <laughs> pay me in a month when I get back. I was like, thank God, because I don't have it. <laughs> I go to it's the end of the day. And the the producer of the show, he goes, listen, I know this is kind of weird to tell you day one, uh, but, you know, we really like you. We're happy to have you here. And uh, just so you know, uh, this was this was like Jan- this was January. He goes, just, so you know, in, in May, uh, the show is going to Australia and uh, we we're, you're going to come with us. I go, I'm going to Australia. <laughs> and he was like, you're going to Australia. And I was like, oh, my God. So it felt like so this was meant to be. Absolutely. And that is what opened the door and started everything. Because before that show, no one knew what to do with me. Mm. And I have been working ever since that job. How cool. Yeah. Do you believe in like universe manifesting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think I definitely do. I'm like super Mm -hmm. woo-woo about it. But Having and I've read a ton on it and I've seen it happen in my own life mm-hmm. and so many others. The biggest thing that you said, in my opinion, that like made that all happen yeah. is that you gave it over, mm-hmm. that you released it. Yeah. Because I think that when people, they cling to the goal so tightly mm-hmm. that the, the only energy wrapping around it is fear. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, please, God, I, you know, and mm-hmm. if you're coming from not being able to pay rent or not being able to eat or not, those things are so real. And my first job in L.A. Yeah. was at Miramax as an assistant. Mm-hmm. You made $12 an hour. You did not get paid for overtime. Yeah. And it was an attitude of you're lucky to have this job. Uh-huh. And the amount of times that I lived off of bagels because mm-hmm. you got there were free bagels yeah. at work and that's uh-huh. what I ate yeah. you know I had like half a bagel for lunch mm-hmm. and took the other one home for dinner because that's that's what I could afford yeah. so this idea that you were just like oh okay I like I'm letting it go yeah I think it helped that you know I, I grew up with a family who struggled financially same you know we it, it was not uncommon to be sitting there and the lights went off and you're like mom you didn't get that you know, electric bill paid, yeah. and you know, yeah. she was a teacher. It wasn't yeah. like she was just being irresponsible, a single mom, and just you know, it was hard to get those, you know, the ends to meet. And so, I always had that mentality of like, I will do whatever it takes to keep a roof over my head, to pay my bills. Absolutely, it does not matter. Had had I not gotten that job as a writer, I would have you would have figured it out. Whatever, of I would have been a barista. I right. 
gone to the recreation department. I would have taught tennis, like yeah. whatever I could have, <laughs> you know. I would have figured it out, but it was still this like, I have a dream. I've been working for, you know, the last eight years on it. And uh, I, I don't know how to, uh, I don't know what to do. I, I had no connections in this business and, you know, no nothing to fall back on. It was one of those things of like, if I don't get this, I mean, no one's paying my rent for me. So I'm yeah. going to have to figure it out. But I had to give it over because my dream for a long time was SNL. I mean, I thought that is it. Yeah. This is the dream. I've watched this since I was a kid. And I've. That those hallways are sacred ground, you know. I tested twice, and he even came and saw me at the Growlings with my other performers, and I was so close. And that, and you just don't get it. Yeah. And you go, okay, I gotta adjust the dream. Yeah. And it stinks. It sucks. I was so sad to like know that was never gonna happen, but you just have to pivot. Yeah. When you got the chance to be on camera for the first time mm. at the round table, was that something you were working towards or was it like a surprise? I was hopeful that being a writer that that would come because that's what would happen with all the other people. There was a world in which they could have been like, no, thanks. You know, you just be a writer. <laughs> Luckily, she like within two weeks was I think someone canceled last minute and they were just like, hey, you, you want to do it? Cool. And I was like, yeah. Were you like? crapping your pants or you're like mm. I'm ready okay I was so yeah. nervous because it's um rapid fire and I'm very chill I like take my moments yeah uh every and everybody on that table was like yeah 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 you know look at me look at me in a fun way that's right. what made the show work but I just kind of held back and then it was like bam right held back Bam, but that but you was always also, my style. Like, I remember that so distinctly because I, I watch that show all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember that when you were on the round table, you it seemed like you were having the best mm -hmm. time because you were laughing and yeah. you were like present in it. Mm -hmm. It didn't, you know, sometimes it feels like everyone's just sort of waiting for their chance to yeah. talk. It felt like you were like hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Like laughing. And I was. Yeah. We were all very tight and, you know, she assembled a bunch of funny people around her. She's very good at that, like letting other people shine. And I, some people were intimidated by her. She's got a strong personality, but she and I always clicked and she was always very respectful of me and let me shine. And so anytime I was doing that, I was genuinely having fun. Yeah, that's cool. And we're, you know, we still have fun. Yeah, I feel like day. I'm trying to, I was trying to remember which one it was because I know she does all sorts of specials, but what's the one where you guys are like just getting as high as you can <laughs> over multiple course dinner? Have you seen that? Yeah, we had, a, we, oh had, my God. we had a five course dinner. That was for this other show she did where she just asked me to like come on as a, as a guest yeah. here and there. And, uh, she wanted to do this uh, thing at home, her house, where this, like, catering company makes a legit five-course meal with weed. Yeah. And I am not a big weed person, even though everyone, everyone thinks I'm high all the time because <laughs> I, like, am chill. Yeah. And I have squinty eyes. <laughs> so they think I'm, and my accent, they think I'm high. I'm not a big weed person. But I was, like, again, one of those, like, ah. A life experience. Let's try yeah. it. And that would be funny that they're filming it. 
I've not really been high that much. So let's see what happens. It was so funny. <laughs> well, my problem is I love food. Yeah. Like that's my Achilles heel is I love food and I can't, if something's good, I can't stop eating it. And the food was amazing. And you're getting the munchies. And Yeah. But everybody else is like kind of picking at it, eating like morsels. I, Rachel, I'll tell you, I ate every bite and by the dessert i'm seeing double and i've never laughed harder in my life like i wish i'd always wish they'd play the more bloopers from that because we went on tangents for like an hour crying laughing there was like a guy when we wrapped <clears throat> we were like putting on a show for ourselves for like an hour there was a guy with lights um they're like putting everything up in a truck and he had camo pants on and i kept yelling no lights left behind. <laughs> just, just like, what are you doing? I'm so high. I stand up and I can't walk. I was like walking like a pony, learning to walk for the first time. It was wild. Were you sick <clears throat> the next day? We were high till noon the next day. Oh, she texted, wow. is everyone is still high? And we were like, yeah. yeah. We were in bed. But I had more people come up to me about that piece of television than anything I've ever done. Because it's so, when people are, when people on screen mm -hmm. cannot control themselves laughing, yeah. it's that or people throwing up are oh, my yeah. two, like if someone's like <laughs> gagging, those yeah. are my like, this is chef's kiss. Yeah. This is exactly what I want to laugh at. So fun. That, I like not had much weed since then, but uh, it was in it. Well, it's interesting to see how if when you're in the pocket of it, like can you hit the sweet spot? I've never been funnier. And I go, oh, there's, there's that's, something there. That, there's something there. Right. But then if you go past that point, it's like I can't function. Yeah. And I don't know how to get here without getting here. <laughs> <laughs> it's too far. I can't yeah. go back. When you like when you were doing that show, were you building your stand up mm -hmm. career or like those two things were sort of going in conjunction? They were going side by side because um all the all, we were all stand ups and so and the show was so popular that and she she didn't have time to go on tour as much. So they would kind of send us all out. We would go together, like Comedians of Chelsea tours. Uh, and then they would let us do like once a month a weekend gig where we could leave early on Fridays. So we were getting popular in the clubs. for because Dance of the, clubs. It was like a Catch-22. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were in demand for stand-up, but we had a job. Right. We were all writers. Right. That was our job. They would like, you know, have to remind us like, we know y'all are on TV, but you your job is that yeah, you're a writer. Yeah, you need to write things. Yeah. yeah. It was an interesting, like, oh, uh, like, there's a demand here now, but I am hired as a writer. My job is nine to six every day. So it yeah. was, like, this interesting, like, you had this uh, itch you wanted to scratch, but without being disrespectful yeah. to your job. yeah. And when you started to go out on your own, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to get to a place where it was your own tour versus like working right. with other people? Well, I ended up leaving Chelsea early. Uh, the year she, that show ended in 2014, I think. And I wanted to start acting. I had told her, you know, uh, she'd always be like, what's your dream? And I was like, I really want to be an actor besides stand up and stuff. And she's like, oh, okay. And I had an opportunity to, do some acting and so I had to you can't be a nine to six writer and also be auditioning 
be doing stand-up. So I had to make the really difficult decision to leave this very secure job, a job I loved with people. I mean, I laughed harder than I ever have in my life in that writer's room. But I had this crossroads of, like, I got to bet on myself. Yeah. And that was a lesson that I learned from that experience that was so hard. I remember I was having, like, all stomach ulcers, like, talking to Chelsea to be like, I think I got to do this. Because I knew she'd be bummed, and she was. Like, we had such a good time. But I was like, I got to... I didn't even have this job that I was testing for. But I was like, I got to try. If I don't try, I'll regret it forever. Yeah. And I left and thank the baby Jesus got that job. And even though that show didn't end up going, it is what kicked off my acting career. Mm. And that is a very distinct moment that I can look back and go, that moment was a big one for me. And I almost didn't make it because I was scared and I was so grateful I bet on myself. Yeah. And not all bets work. Yeah. But in that case, it did. Yeah. So you start or you're, I know that you're like doing a show or you're going out for shows, Mm -hmm. but when did you begin? I'm just curious of the, like, how do we get from like, basically, how do you get to, you got specials on TV where mm-hmm. we watch you do stand up. You're selling out venue. Like how yeah. do we get to that? Like what's that path look like? There's a lot of building blocks, a lot of building on opportunities. My acting career took off. I I can't name shows because we're currently in a strike, but yeah. if anyone knows my career, yeah. you'll see I got some some shows that I got to be a series regular in, um uh, which really made a huge difference and then that led to more things, more acting. So I got to really build that resume. Um, but it kept doing stand-up simultaneously. So I kept both parts of my career going as much as I could. But I'm a very specific type, you know. Not every acting gig is for me. I'm a I'm I'm not somebody that you can just plug into any role. So what I started doing is writing a lot for myself. And when when I left Chelsea after that show didn't go that I had left for, I created my own uh, sitcom and sold that with Tina Fey and all those guys. And that led to these other things that, you know, it's like one thing leads to this thing that leads to that thing. So I was very lucky in that regard. And the show that I was on regularly taught me so many building blocks of acting and how to do that. And then I would feel I filmed like a half hour special uh, I filmed two half-hour specials a couple of years apart, and that's what gave me the opportunity to finally have my own hour special. Um, and I think it was my hour specials. Sweet and Salty was the first one. Good Fortune was the second one. Sweet and Salty did a huge, opened a lot more doors for me um, because it was the first time people were like, oh, we know exactly who you are because... Acting, you kind of disappear into different roles and you're saying other people's words. And that was always great, but people didn't necessarily know who I was or what I brought to the table. And then Sweet and Salty, I was like, this is exactly who I am. And I told my journey. This is where I grew up. This is who I thought I was. This happened to me and then this happened to me. And then finally I realized who I was. And now this is who I am. And it came out a month before the world shut down. And so in that year of people really 
being mostly at home, a lot of people discovered Watched that. It. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it kind of gave people a whole different perspective of me. And I think that is when the next level of my career started. Yeah. So how long do you tour for? Are you just like always on? I feel like I'm always on <laughs> yeah. tour, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was all, I've been touring since 2010, even with oh, wow. different jobs. Yeah. Sometimes I had to not do it as much because I was filming. Um, and then other times when you're on hiatus, I'm doing it a ton. But it's pretty much, there's not been a year since 2010 that I have not toured. Uh, except for, well, even in 2020. We were still finding ways to do shows. Yeah. Uh, drive through. Uh, drive through. Yeah. Drive through. <laughs> great drive through. Would shows. you like surprise? <laughs> also, let me tell you this bit. Drive ins. Yeah. Baseball fields. But that was the first time I had like a giant chunk of time at home, which allowed me a lot of time to write, which is where I came up with the good fortune material. But then once those doors opened back up, I think because stand ups realized, I think before we thought, we'll always be able to perform. There's like no, even if there's like a, you know, uh, some big tragedy in the world or even if there's a recession, yeah, we can still perform. And this is like, oh no, yeah, shut everything Everything. down. Everything, yeah. And so once the doors open back up, every comic I know has not stopped since. Absolutely. Yeah. I sort of wonder too, I've had a lot of comedians on the show in the last six months. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you all maybe have the same publicist because like <laughs> I, I got know, one yeah. and then I just started getting everybody, which right. we love. But I wonder too if there's if there's any sort of like scarcity fears in oh, there yeah. of like, I can't stop because what if it all gets taken away again? For sure. but And that existed long before the pandemic. Right, right. I think that comes from that growing up with no money yeah and, and uh i mean listen i had money in a sense like i had opportunities i'm not saying i was destitute yeah. but just a single mom who's a teacher kind right. of situation but that did teach me to be like you gotta work your butt off to the point where sometimes my wife is like you gotta live life yeah you know what i mean yeah and we're I'm I am reaching that point where she's like we gotta look at the next tour right and, and carve out some time for life and yeah. I'm like yes and have some fun mm-hmm. yeah we got to hang out with Bert Kreischer <laughs> oh wow and when he came in here he was like. I can't believe you live. How do you live here? Yeah. Like, Leanne would never let us live on this side of the hill. And I was like, bro, you make way more money than I do. I know for a fact you make way more money than I do. He's so well. that's in your head. Like, yeah. that is not. That is, yeah. That's because she, because Leanne was the same. She had to, uh, his wife had to really, you know, uh, did not have much. Her family did not have much. Yeah. So she's. They worked their way up, and that that probably is a scarcity thing yeah. there, too, where you're always just being cautious, which I think is good. Like, we definitely don't live beyond our means. We get whatever we can pay for. Yeah. I don't want much stuff, yeah. as you can see. Like, I'm, like, very casual. Right. And just try to live in a... I think also, as a performer, you're like, this could go away in a couple of years. Absolutely. There could be a time where no one wants to see me do stand-up. What if there's no acting roles? What if there... I mean, we're, you know, our whole industry shut, shut down, down right now. Yeah. I, I can still perform stand-up. I'm very grateful <clears throat> for that. But, you know, everyone's just trying to make a living wage. They're yeah. trying to do what they love and pay their bills. And yeah. it's, it's a business that breeds 
uh, that scarcity because yeah. it is a very real thing for yeah. a lot of people. Do you think, I've been wondering this lately, like do you think that, let's say you're a comedian and you're, you've worked your way up and you get to a place where you're experiencing mm -hmm. success. Do you believe it's possible as a comedian, if you keep working on your craft, if mm -hmm. you keep, you, you put energy into it and you care and you're passionate and you keep getting better, mm -hmm. do you think even in that scenario, it's possible that you wouldn't have fans? I don't know. Because I don't think it is. Yeah. Because I think like you see people who are on top of the world mm -hmm. and I not, I'm just specifically speaking about comedians mm -hmm. people who were like we were peeing our pants watching specials yeah and then their careers have fallen off right that if you watch their specials now it's like you it's not as funny you're right. not and i don't mean it's not as funny like oh the the, the jokes it's mm. like you can tell there's something missing interesting you can tell yeah. there's like Whatever it is, life mm -hmm. happens, shit happens, <clears throat> and it doesn't... Yeah, like, you can just tell that there's a difference. Right. Well, you know, people's lives change when Absolutely. they start making a lot of money, when they get really famous. Right. You you definitely, like, lose touch with a little bit of... Um, I don't want to say reality, because it's your reality. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're just living differently. I mean, like, my life currently is a lot of planes... There's a lot of yeah. hotel rooms. Yeah. There's a lot of rental cars. No yeah. one wants to hear about that. Right. Uh, I'm not in some mansion, you know, with, yeah. like, a staff. Right. So I'm not living that reality. Right. But I, I have to, like, dig into, like, well, what, is, what am I going through? What, is, what does life look like for me? Um, so I think where you're at reflects in your comedy. That's real. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you're, like, really rich, really famous... It will, there's no way to not have that seep you're so through right. your yeah. comedy. Yeah, you're so right. And that's to no one's fault. That's you're just successful. what's real. Yeah. yeah. Stand-up is like one of the rare art forms where a lot of your success starts and stops with you. You know what I mean? Wow, and that's real. if you're lucky enough with acting to, to book something, that's so hard. I mean, what are the odds of booking something? They're, they're hard. And, but you're like saying someone else's words, someone else created that thing. You're bringing your own talents to it. You know, it's your job to hopefully elevate that thing. But the only way you're having success as a stand up is if you write that material, you perform that material, you cannot phone it in. Now, some people will get very popular very quickly for whatever reason. You know, a clip goes viral, they're huge on TikTok. And there are a number of communities that can back that up and be like, here, listen to my hour. Right. Uh, I'm glad you like that clip. And right. then there are other people that go, oh, oh no. That was all I, I wasn't, got. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, it's it's a brutal business because there's so much entertainment now everywhere. So many, there's more stand-ups than ever. So to break through the pack in any way is so difficult. But that success can be helped if you are really working hard at it, writing. Now, that doesn't guarantee... You're going to make it. I know so many funny stand-ups that just yeah. haven't broken through. And I do not know why. I don't control, you know, what people watch. Sometimes I think a clip, oh, this is so funny. And like, <laughs> it doesn't get nearly the views you think it might. It's just is a weird thing. But if you stop doing stand-up or you don't put effort into writing, it'll show. Yeah. Like, you just, it's like. Work like an athlete. Work, you know. You can see in a soccer game if someone hasn't been training. putting in the training. Yeah. yeah. Same with stand up. You can get away with a little bit of phoning it in, but 
they sniff that stuff yeah, out pretty they can quick. Tell. But it's also hard to top yourself sometimes. If you've put out like a really awesome special, the fear for all of us is like, am I ever going to do something as good again. as that? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I don't, you never know. Right. Because uh, all of us run out of ideas, yeah. you know? Yeah. And some of us have those writing blocks and you hope to dig yourself out of it because you're putting out so much content now. Yes. It is like mind-blowing. Like comics did not have this many hour specials. They used to go like five years between you're specials. You're right. You're right. So it's just a different time. Yeah. Where there's this like, no, we need something now. Well, and you're also doing podcasts. You're mm-hmm. doing content for social. You're, yeah. You know, when I think of the level of content we produce today versus what we did mm-hmm. five years ago, it's, I actually don't think about it because it would right. overwhelm me. Because it's I know. so much. Well, it's never enough. People are, it's I mean, I'll have enough. like five things I've just done, like, you know, put out this, wrote this, have this. What What else? You're yeah. Like, that's oh my gosh, oh no. please, please, yeah. <laughs> it's like, for some reason, especially with stand-up, especially with comedians, it's not enough to have, like, just be a stand-up. you got to be, like, four other things. Absolutely. To have any success. And so all of us just hope and pray for longevity. Yeah. It's And, and there's that old saying, of like, what, what goes up must come down. You know, when you see people at the, at the mountain, on the top of the mountain, with a level of fame that a lot of us can't fathom, that's not sustainable. Yeah. You know? But so I say enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy that. Work hard. But I'll enjoy th- it. Also at the same time, I feel like what people don't realize is if you fall off the mountaintop, you don't fall all the way back down to the yeah, bottom. Exactly. You fall to like a crevice mm-hmm. and then you can climb back up and mm-hmm. if you're willing and then maybe even go a little bit higher than that. Yeah. I'm now I'm speaking in too many metaphors, but like <laughs> also to me, there's nothing Nothing has felt harder than trying to have a little bit more success when you've already achieved success. Yeah. Like, I feel like from zero to 100 Mm -hmm. was infinitely easier than from 100 to 102. Right. Because it's like... Well, there's a lot more eyes on you, right? Yeah, a different stratosphere. And you've done the thing, right? Like, uh, it's very similar as an author that I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I wrote that book. Right. That was my book. And okay, now I got to... Try and do something yeah. better, or more interesting, or and writing a so, book seems so so hard to oh me. Oh my gosh, it is. It always yeah. sucks. There's no. Yeah. It's never not a slog. It's like homework every day. Every day. That's like writing stand up. Yeah. You, you open the computer, like, oh, oh god, god, here we go. So, what is your writing process like? How do you save joke ideas, or <clears throat> what does that look like? Uh the notes app in my phone. Yeah. Is my best friend. Yeah. A lot of times, I you know. I'm try because I, I have a weird. I, it's weird. I can memorize scripts, like it's that's well. That'll be interesting uh, since having this break, because that's like a muscle memory thing. Yeah. And so it's getting really good at like memorizing that stuff pretty fast. But because I'm always memorizing, I got to do the scene and then that's got to go away. I have like a short term memory thing where I'm like forgetting. Like an idea will come to me and I'll forget it after yeah. a while. So I have to write it down. My wife and I will go on hikes when I'm in my healthier phase, which I'm not in at the moment, and I got to get back into where she'll be like, oh, what about, you know, she'll help me. Because she's produced, been a producer on two of my, the last two specials. Oh, cool. So she'll be like, what about this thing that happened? Remember when you told me about this thing that happened in your childhood or 
what about with our relationship when we got in this fight? And so it's like refreshing that she she can help you remember. Yeah, that helps yeah. me remember and also isn't like saying, oh, you can't talk about that. I mean, I think I know where the line is anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so she'll help me drum up stuff. And I have a friend who's a stand-up who I really respect her opinion. And so we'll like FaceTime and I'll tell her like, oh, here's a story that I was thinking about. And if she's like, mm, I'm like, okay, there's probably nothing there. If she's like laughing, I go, okay, I'm going to keep. Something. Yeah. Here. So yeah. Some, somebody, a friend to bounce things off of is helpful. And then some some comics just get up on stage and figure Riff. it out on yeah. stage. I can't. I don't like Do that. you write it out? I write it all yeah. out. Yeah. So do you know Phoebe Robinson? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love uh, Phoebe. Phoebe's a friend and she was doing the show a few months ago. Yeah. And I'm on this podcast tour where um, typically when I'm doing keynote speeches, mm-hmm. I tell funny stories, but they're there to motivate people. Like yeah. that's sort of the end of right. what I'm trying to do. And this is the first time that it's mostly just funny stories. Like yeah. I'm just telling in the way that I always have, but I'm less motivational, more just like, here's some funny stuff yeah. that happened. Let's laugh uh-huh. together. And um, she was telling me like, write out every joke. You got to write out yeah. every joke. And I actually was thinking about it today. Because I did that after talking to her, and mm. it do- it doesn't work for me. Oh, really? Yeah, you like I like the riff? I, yeah, I like yeah. I like the riff, which sucks when it yeah. doesn't land, and right. you're on, and people are like, <laughs> you think it's funny, and no one else is laughing but you. Uh, well, then, but, but you can kind of have that self deprecating thing there of just like, oh, I thought yeah. it was funnier in my head, yeah, or like I whatever. That was you know? be a thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, everybody's just different in their styles. That way, I I think mine is just needing to know where something's going. Now I can do crowd work. I can. I come from an improv background. Yeah. I can be like, where do you work? And, you know, we can go on a whole journey. But when it comes to, like, this is a story I want to tell to right. you. I like to know where it's going. Where and then going. on stage, I'll add bits to it and punchlines to it and craft it that way. But, yeah, the writer in me has to sit down. But it does always feel like homework. It never not feels like yeah, homework. Yeah, Um, But that's okay. The reward is that once it's up on its feet and people are laughing. Yeah. Hey, call this is the best, but I, I try to treat my specials. I put a lot of pressure on myself to to make these last two specials a whole narrative. This has got to have a beginning, middle, of it, and end. It's got to come full circle. It's got to have callbacks. That's much harder. Yeah, because you're almost writing a little book. Yeah, there. It really is. When you when the easier route is just let me tell you a bunch of stories, which is can be so funny mm-hmm. and I feel like there are people who do one the other and then somewhere in the middle yeah but I will say there's stand-up that I saw recently but I was it was the first time I've I had seen their stand-up mm-hmm. and it kind of stressed me out because it was oh, there was no through line yeah it, you know, she's telling stories yeah, about yeah. her family but it would just be like there would be no transition it mm-hmm. would just be like here's another joke here's another joke yeah. here's another joke and it was the first time I was conscious of that, uh-huh. of like, oh, yeah, some people just, yeah. there is no, you know, theme. Yeah, a lot of They're people just talking. Just, a lot of people just, you know, here's, some, here's right. a bunch of jokes. Here's a bunch of jokes. But I just, for whatever reason, I think I, I st- because my first hour was a journey of my life and figuring out who I was, with good fortune, I was like, I'm going to pick where that left off and just carry that same story th- through of like, well, now I'm an adult. Here's how I'm handling you know, I've met the person I'm going to marry. Here's how we're dealing with life. 
and I might appear to be one way in this, but I'm actually this. Mm. And then now in this current set that I'm touring, I start where that left off. Now, I don't have all the narrative right now. This is very much a lot of stories. Yeah. But once I get closer to filming something, I will about four months out be like, okay. We got to dial it in. We got to dial it in. So are you doing more than an hour then to be able to have an hour? I'm doing like an hour and 10 right now. Okay. But that's because I'm doing some crowd work because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, Until I hone in on that exact narrative. I'm like, let's just be silly, and yeah. I'm going to talk to the crowd. And uh, and and a lot of people, when I was coming up, I did a ton of crowd work um, because it was for lack of material. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I have the skill that a lot of people don't know I have the skill. They don't know I started an improv, so let's just Play with weave it. it in right now. Yeah. It won't be in my whatever I film eventually. Um, but for the live shows, people love it because I am a lot more interactive at the moment. Yeah. How many times will you do that show, roughly, before mm-hmm. you're like, this is what it is? I'll do it for a while. I mean, I don't ever, I try not to film anything before having done something, minimum year and a half, try to have it to, around two. Two years you'll tour something. Mm-hmm. How many shows do you think that is? <sighs> so many. I think the last tour was a year and a half, and that was, I want to say, over 100 cities. 170 shows. Holy shit. It was it was a lot. Um, but wow. this tour will be even longer. I have to go back and film at some point. Another show I can't talk yeah. about. But I don't know when that is because of the strike. So right. at some point next year, I will have five months where I have to go film. And so it will be kind of when I would normally be filming a special. But I'll just have to prolong it. Because I'll have to get back from that. Go back into the zone. And then for like at least four months and then film. So this one's going to be stretched out. So are you doing comedy clubs, theaters? Theaters. Theaters. Thankfully, okay. yeah. I mean, not, not nothing wrong with clubs. Right. I love clubs. I, right. I came up in clubs. But I say thankfully in that I've really found my voice in storytelling. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it lends itself so much better to a theater um, than like yelling over people eating chicken fingers. Chicken wings, yeah, for sure. Because when I was coming up, clothes were awesome. I was very, you know, doing jokes, willy-nilly, like, talking about whatever. It was it was more off the cuff and a little bit more rough around the edges. And now I've really honed in on this. I'm going to tell you an eight-minute story, but that's going to require us You paying attention. Sitting, paying attention <laughs> and sit, you know, it asks a little bit more of the audience. But the theaters, they are right there with me. Yeah. And it's so rewarding and so fun. Uh, so yeah, that that sweet and salty special kicked that off. So, it's amazing. This in twenty twenty four, we're going to be announcing some huge theaters I've never done before cool. that I can't believe I get to do. Like um, how many seats? What's that? How many seats? Um, those will be like three thousand and up. That's awesome. Three thousand, almost some, almost four thousand. That's always like a little uh, like I know. <laughs> Right now, my at the right now, what I've been doing is around the big theaters have been two thousand to about twenty eight hundred. Right, um, and then the markets I've never done before; those are averaging around twelve to thirteen hundred. Yeah, but I'm going everywhere. I'm yeah. not, there's no place I'm shying away from. Well, so tell me too, like let's say the average week for you mm-hmm. on tour, what does that look like? Well, I come home between every city every weekend. Oh, nice. Uh, because I'm a cancer and I. I need stability. Yeah. I need to reset. It's a miracle that I am a touring stand-up 
to leave my house sometimes. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, but it's my job. So I come home during the week to be with my wife and my dog. I also do a radio show with Tom Popo, yeah. who was on here. And then usually on a either Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, I'm flying out to whatever city. Usually doing either Thursday, Friday, Saturday night or Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Okay. And then uh, I'd fly to the first city and then pick up a rental car, drive from city to city. Uh, and what to are those city. drives? Like how many hours? Usually the max is around okay. four to four and a half. The sweet spot is three. And uh, then fly back home from the last city. Yeah. And so every, and then I lay on my couch and just with yeah. my dog, just going, oh my god, you know, recuperating because it's, it, it's a lot of energy dump. But my shows are so fun. The people that come out are so lovely. People, I've, I've, I try to. I've said this before. I try to put out positive things. I try to talk about things that are not pulling us apart, yeah. you know, but where's the bridge? What are the things that we can relate to? And I'm getting back in return a very positive vibe yeah. in the audience. And yeah. it's so cool. And everyone that comes to my show for the first time goes, I can't believe how nice everybody is. I can't believe the energy in that room. And I, I just want everyone to feel that, like forget about this crap that people are going through yeah. every day. Yeah. Just come for an hour and a half and just feel good. Yeah, I, I take great pride in trying to give that to people and uh yeah i love it because it's funny that you you know that you're a motivational speaker when i was in college i i people were like what do you want to do for a living i was like i want to be a motivational speaker <laughs> but i was like once i became a comedian i thought it was hilarious that i would be like the, you know people would think of chris farley and that matt foley here yes, like, you're gonna live in a yes. van down by, down by the river, river. <laughs> so i never was a professional motivational speaker but I love that comedy can have that that yeah. hint to it too of like let me I'm not necessarily like telling you the steps of like how to live your life. I'm yeah. figuring that out myself, but let me be a positive influence. Yeah. Are you by yourself? Like do you have a crew who goes with you or you're on the road alone? I'm my wife is a tour with me constantly. She was on the road with me like every show and she got a little burnt out. Yeah, I bet. Because I didn't take any time off between oh, tours. Yeah which in retrospect, probably a mistake, but uh, I'm learning as I go. Uh, so she just is like, I'm going to sit some of these out. I go, I totally get it. Because yeah. I get the reward of going on stage. And getting and the energy back. Getting yeah. it back, yeah. She's in a green room twiddling her thumbs. And her dog's getting older. We're not traveling him as much. But, you know, obviously, like, the Chicago's and the New York. Cool cities, she's, yeah. she's like, I'll be there. Yeah, it's it's nice to have her when she comes but I'm also fine going out for a few days by myself. Yeah. Uh, being, again, a cancer, right? I get that energy back by being alone sometimes and just kind of being quiet right. and letting that build back up. I, I have a tour. My promoters send out a tour rep who does all my shows with me. Oh, so she's cool. awesome. Shout out, Kat. She... Sets everything up and makes sure everything goes smooth. So. Nice. And then I hire an opener who... Um, oh, yeah, that's what I was Yeah, they okay. usually, like, meet... If they don't, aren't from L.A., they'll meet me on the road. And, and it's people you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so it's not yeah, just, so like, some nice. random... Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes every now and then there's a, a person I have not met if we're trying out someone new. Uh, but it's fun to, like, develop a rapport with different comics. They kind of know you, your thing and you know theirs and... 
we'll get a meal or sometimes we'll ride together. It just depends yeah. on the logistics. On the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And then after, I'm, I know this is like such a random question, but like, what's your after show ritual? Do you have one? Are you like, I'm going to go have dinner. I'm going to go. Yeah. My, I mean, it's funny, like in my, my days of being on Chelsea, everybody was like, let's go party. Cause that yeah. show was very much like a party vibe. And I was like, I'm just going to go watch, you know, some TV and eat some chicken wings. I was so boring. I kind of still a little boring in that way, but I'm trying to, I know people have spent good money to come to a show and they've had some people have to get babysitters or paying for parking. They're going yeah. to dinner. It's a whole thing. And I'm trying to be the most present version for the next night. So I, I like wrap it up. Right. I go back to the hotel. Yeah. Watch some TV, you know, occasionally a drink. Yeah. Some vino. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to wind it down and then I'm yeah, passing out. out. Are you celebrating the success as you go? I probably should be doing that yeah, a, little a little bit, bit more. more. Yeah. That is something s some friends have pointed out when I've had these milestones. They're like, yeah. are you taking a second to yeah. look around you? And I go. It's hard when it's going so yeah. fast. Yeah. It's Like, hard. I'm grateful. I'm always. Of course. The gratitude is always there. Uh, but, like, the celebration probably could be be more well and every, not that i need to be like yeah, no but me. but just <laughs> and celebration doesn't have to be that it mm -hmm. can just be like an acknowledgement to yourself yeah but having experienced similar things mm -hmm. and also having a lot of friends in yeah. the industry and i'm sure you do too what that then breeds mm -hmm. for me and for a lot of people i know is you get really bad adrenal fatigue Oh, like you get, which maybe look up the yeah. symptoms when you're constantly like going, being on, yeah. shutting it off, being on, shutting it off, being, yeah. but you're never actually, I don't know, holding awareness yeah. for what that is. You just keep doing it night mm -hmm. after night. You get really good at performing. Right. But it, it like fries your, your, oh. Oh, it, what, it's like your uh, amygdala or something. It's a I really, will have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, look it I, up. That. I feel like he's exactly what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, it really yeah. messes with your head, literally. Uh -huh. And it wasn't until I went and had all these brain scans done years ago because I was like experiencing hormone stuff and I was mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And that was one of the things that they were like, look up the symptoms of adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Because literally your body floods with adrenaline, even though you're uh -huh. chill. Every time you're on a yeah. stage like that, it's a big it's, rush. It's a big rush. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're teaching your nervous system to turn it on immediately and then shut it back down. Yeah. Um, so there's just like things you can do in rituals to kind of like calm it down really? or be mindful of it but it helped me a lot oh that's good to know because that is exactly what i'm doing yeah same. i am i'm putting it out big time and then shutting it down yeah. i'm trying to be and i have been a lot better in the last year especially mm -hmm. of like really acknowledging what it is yeah the reason i asked is i had just done i did two shows last weekend one in nashville one in atlanta mm -hmm. and it just so happened jack usually is always with me he's been yeah, with me jack. forever um, but it just so happened he was on vacation uh -huh. and my boyfriend couldn't come. Sometimes he comes with me. Yeah. And so I was on, it, it was the first time in a very long time I've done shows alone. Yeah. And who cares? Like you, there's right. people at the theater and they yeah. help you and it's not a big deal, but it just does kind of feel a little bit like, Wah. Right, like, like I, you do this big yeah. thing, and then you go back to uh -huh. a hotel. And I'm not, I don't want to go out to dinner. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I mean, to leave a venue after nine thirty, I'm way past my bedtime. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go do anything. But I also was thinking, that's why I asked. Was like, I feel like I need a better sort of ritual of right. like, we just did that shit. Yeah. You just did that. That was great. 
Yeah, I know because I've had, you know, there's like, I sold this one theater like 3,000 tickets and I was on the road by myself and there was a like moment of like, okay, well. (laughs) Cool. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody. It's <laughs> yeah. so weird. Getting in your rental car, driving yourself yes. to the hotel. Yes. The restaurants closed. Right. You can't. You're, you're like, gonna. You're gonna okay. get room service. You're yeah. not gonna be able to eat anything. Yeah. I think when I have like, usually it involves like filming when I'm putting it on tape. I'll try to be like, wow, that that was a that big was deal. a big deal. Yeah. I, but if you I, only do that every two years, fortunately. I know. I know. I need to celebrate more than that. <laughs> And I do have, I'm lucky I have friends to be like, you need to acknowledge this. Yeah. Like, you've worked so hard and look at the rewards of this. And Well, and I think the key there is finding ways to acknowledge it that's meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time I had a friend, a, a business person, and it was, they had been in business for a really long time. They'd mm-hmm. been working up, trying to, like, grow the revenue like all entrepreneurs do. And he had a product that he launched or something and he it was the first time he ever passed a million dollars not like profit but like he his company made a million dollars right. and he was so excited he worked for it for like a decade yeah. but also at the same time he's exhausted cuz he just did this yeah. massive launch he didn't want to have a party he didn't want to go to dinner uh-huh. or whatever and he like came home and he was so tired and he was like he would just want to take a shower and he's like i'm going to I'm going to have a beer uh-huh. in the shower. Okay. And yeah. that was how he celebrated. He yeah. like just drank a beer in the shower. He's yeah. so tired and went to bed. But that then became his ritual. Whenever he had like a yeah. big moment, he was like, I'm going to have a beer in the shower. <laughs> or for someone else, yeah. maybe it's like you love dogs and you're like, you make yeah. a donation to an animal charity you really yeah. care about. But it's whatever is meaningful I to you. I got to find something. Yeah, you need something. Because I remember when Good Fortune came out. This was, I think it came out in, I want to say October. And I remember Jax was like, are you going to, like, have a thing or, like, you know, have friends watch it? And I was like, no. And it just kind of, like, you know, it's out there and people are enjoying it, but I never had, like, a Does it make you feel weird, though? Yeah, there's there's some part of me, I think, that's also trying to, like, like, doesn't want to, like, boast. Yeah. It feels like boasting. But I always do try to be sincere with people, like, even on social media, like, I don't shy away from being like, this was a hard journey. Yeah. And I'm so grateful I'm on the other end of this. And this is what I appreciate about this. And to and it is sincere. It's not one of those like, oh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did this. Yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe it. it. No, I always try to be very truthful and sincere with the journey yeah. of it, like being good, bad, whatever it is. So may, So that part helps me sort of appreciate what it took to get there. For But the celebratory part. Is lacking yeah. for sure because yeah. I think there's a part of me that feels like, oh, you can't be too boastful. Or Absolutely, you're supposed to have you know humility, humility. about whatever, and and I think or it could like be taken away. And yeah, then, yeah, no, yeah, totally. not wanting to toot my horn too much, right? And I think that's also maybe a a woman thing, mm-hmm. and and I I notice that a lot in stand up where I'll see guys come off stage, they'll be like, ah crushed it i mean it does not matter if they have the most mediocre set in the world they're like i crushed it the audience loved me did you guys see that and then they're like okay and, you know, some of them did but some of them were like oh it wasn't that great yeah women every time every woman comic comes off i don't know and How they did that? just crush it yeah. not to say every man's not and everyone you know what i mean this case by case but it's like a woman did just do amazing 
And she's like, I don't know. And I do that all the time. Right. Jax is like, please, do you see any man yes. questioning their yes. set? Do you, you come off stage already finding the fault in whatever you did. Like, none of these guys yes. are doing that. Lord, give us the confidence of a mediocre man. <laughs> give us so, that confidence. I think it's part of that, too. The the woman part of us yeah. is not letting our light shine too yeah. bright. Yeah, and I guess that's true, too. I do think because this tour has been such a departure from what I'm used to doing, mm -hmm. I have yet to come off stage and been like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I usually walk backstage to Jack and my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, that part. What yeah, was, what'd like, you guys what think? What is that? Cause it's immediate, too. Yeah. Like, I'm walking off stage mm -hmm. already sort of judging yeah. what was great, what didn't work, what mm -hmm. I... Because I just... I think my brain is always like, it could be better. Yeah, I can do same. better. I can do better. Yeah. But then I also feel like I'm leaving every show kind of feeling like I failed a little bit. Yeah, same. The audience is mm -hmm. pissing themselves. They're mm -hmm. so they're having a great time. They're telling me, yeah. this was amazing. Thank you so like, much. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, but right. yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I missed that whole bit yeah. that was so funny. Yeah. I do think that for whatever reason, that is such a female yeah. trait. Most men aren't are coming off going crushed it Crush onto the next. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to like keep. I, I don't know. I think I'm always gonna critique. Yeah. But maybe that's what makes it better for me. Yeah. yeah. And if I didn't that's do that, it would be different. I don't know. But yeah, I gotta work on on that sort of turning that criticism down a little bit. Right. Celebrating the wins. Yeah. I definitely have moments where that cathartic release. I remember when I filmed my. This pilot that I wrote, we they they called cut and I just started sobbing like Aww. you know it's like dream come true like cool. I got to film my own show and it was like just, I was talking to the directors tears coming to my eyes <laughs> so I definitely have these like yeah. where it all hits me yeah you feel it and I think it, I just like yeah I'll be like very stoic and then all of a sudden sob one day I'm right. like I'm living my dream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, What's it just overcomes yeah. you with this emotion and gratitude. I so I think I bottle it up. Yeah. Till then, I'm like, I'm doing what I love. <laughs> I'm trying to make people happy, and, and it's, it's working. Good. <laughs> it's working. Yeah. Are you doing meet and greets at the shows? Like I am right oh, now. Okay. So I yeah. did it last tour. But yeah, I added them this one. Sometimes so many that can people... be, yeah, it can be help. That's a kind of a yeah. helpful way when you process it with the audience. Uh -huh. And you're like, okay, then yeah. we did something tonight. Yeah, so many people were like, how do I meet you? And I was like, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you, you do. Like, no, we do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the theaters are too. I used to, after every club show for years, I, I was building my fan base from one person at a time. And I stayed after every single show for sometimes an hour and a half. Wow. Every person that came through that club. Sold my, on my, my own merch for a long time. Then my wife helped me for a while with that. Now I just can't. I can't meet yeah. 3,000 people yeah, in a theater. Yeah, so much. But yeah, I have that if people really want it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have merch? I do, What yeah. is it? I have... Really cute merch this time. I'm very proud of it because last tour I was like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> so now I have uh, a cutoff tee um, that says lesbian swimsuit, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you didn't bring it <laughs> to know, us. I'm sorry. Damn it. Um, because I have a joke where I say that I swim in a triple XL t shirt with the sleeves cut off and a pair of sweatpants. It's my lesbian swimsuit. <laughs> yes. So I had bought all these 
they're already pre-cut yeah. shirts um, right before. my. So my first tour after Sweet and Salty was already sold out, ready to go, and the world shut down the night before. Ugh. So I had thousands of dollars of merch sitting in my garage, and I go, guys, I have all these lesbian swimsuit tees, and they're like, put them online, we'll buy them. Yeah. And they bought, they sold out. Awesome. But I re-brought them back because yes. so many people kept asking for yes. them. So those are that's one. Uh, I have a sh- just a tour shirt that my tour is called Live Laugh Love. Yes. Um, because who doesn't love those yeah. signs, you know? <laughs> and my mom's a big. I'm talking about my mom a lot right now, and that's kind of her style. Yeah. Uh, those shirts are popular. I have a shirt that says I'm Butch. That's from my Good Fortune. Because uh, the whole story in Good Fortune is that people think I'm Butch. They think I'm this thing based on my looks, and I'm so not. I'm so dainty, <laughs> but I did, again, with that narrative, set it up where I'm not useful at all, and then I tell a story at the very end where I get to finally be butch yeah. in a different way than you would expect. Yeah. So I have those, and then I have um, a Good Fortune tote with a rainbow. It's really cute, and a hat, and a, a poster. Yeah, there's okay. some really good stuff in there. Uh, a shirt. Oh, I do have a shirt with my. I have a little Pomeranian. His name's Biggie. He yeah. was a big part. He was the finale of my last of Good Fortune. It's a picture of him, and it says, "It says ain't got no stress." Yeah, the merch is really doing well because nice. we try to. We spent a lot of time this getting tour yeah, trying to get it right. right. Yeah, cool. Last tour, we were like frantically getting everything back on track after the pandemic. Oh my gosh! We're like, I don't know, an ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> and my name? <laughs> Anything. Eraser. Yeah, no, whatever. Something. I don't know. Slide ruler. <laughs> Put my name on it. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, if people are listening and they want to go to the tour. Well, I know people about, are listening. Yeah, I mean, we are very popular. Right. <laughs> well, specifically those who are like, yes. That they're like, yeah, I got to see this. I need this merch. Dainty butch lady yeah. <laughs> on tour. Where do and we we're going to celebrate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fortunefeemster.com. I am truly going all over the country probably europe at some point next year canada for sure cool. um, but yeah i have a lot of shows so go to my website or online i'm on i'm very active on instagram cool. trying to get better at tiktok i know are we all are we all you know add it to the list sometimes it'll take me five hours like, to edit a video I, that's what i'm saying i'm like i just i can't add one more thing and then my 14 year old enough he's like doo, 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 doo. Yeah, there you go boom. i'm like yeah mm-hmm. that took me four hours okay thank, thank you okay thank, great. Fine. <laughs> thank you uh fortune this has been awesome thank you for having yeah, me oh my Rachel. god this my pleasure so lovely to talk yeah, with you seriously this has been a real treat and uh i can't wait to Try to dip into some motivational speaking oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, whenever you're ready. And, whenever uh, you're tell ready. Tell people they're gonna live in a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. God, <laughs> iconic. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta.